Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast, where we gather at the table to hear each other's stories. I'm your host, Angie Smith, and I am so glad that you're here. Please pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the Retreat House Table. I have brought my friend Callie Waite to the table and wanted her to tell her story. Callie is the Director of Development for New Life Family Services. She is a mom and a wife and just a super fun person and I'm glad I get to be friends with her. So welcome to the show, Callie. Thanks, Angie. It's fun to be here with you. So we got to know each other on when you worked at the University of Northwestern yes. in development. You were, the, were you the director of development, too, at that time? Uh, director of annual giving there. Okay. So I ever saw their annual fund. Yeah, and uh, I was serving on the Set Apart Conference Committee, and then Callie came along on the committee as well, and that's how we kind of got to know each other, which was fun. So much fun. Yeah. yeah. Just a blessing. And so when Callie came, we every year we always try to figure out who our speaker is going to be, and we look at different authors and whatever. And we had looked at this one author named Jenny Allen, mm-hmm. and I so we watched a video with pictures close. Right, there were like um, what are they called? The Polaroids. Yes, like Polaroids on clothespins. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so then at least that was the first time time I had heard of Jenny Allen, and then I think did you. Had you been following her before that? Yeah, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon her to begin with. But yeah, I was kind of following her and then followed when she launched If Gathering. Okay. And watched the first If Gathering on my computer from my house by myself. Okay, and that was 2014? Sure, that sounds about right. And and so then the next year, Callie was like, oh, I want to go. We should go. And we served on the committee together. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that'll be so great. We should go. And so we tried to get tickets for If Austin. And we got tickets. Which is amazing because yeah. it sells out in like two eleven minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And then we, I remember the next time we saw each other, we kind of looked at each other. No, or was when when we left. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When we, we were at the airport, <laughs> yeah. we were at the airport. We're about to spend the whole weekend together, sharing a hotel room, going to a conference together, and we're like, oh, we don't really know each other super well. Nope. <laughs> this is gonna make or break our friendship. And it so, made it. It did totally make Spoiler. it. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've been if friends. If friends. And that's kind of leaked over into just life friends. friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about this. A couple weeks ago, we had Nina Barnes on the show and we were talking about Mary and Elizabeth and she was mm, talking about Elizabeth's yes. and people's yes, lives. Yes. Yes. And I was oh, thinking, so oh, good. like Kelly, you're an Elizabeth oh. in my life. Safe. Safe space. Yes. Oh, man. You're giving me goosebumps already. We just started. (laughs) Yes. Safe. Somebody who sees all of you and loves all of you and lets you be you. Um, Those friends are few and far between. And you are definitely that for me, too. So, which is why I agreed to be here today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason I um, invited Callie to come on the show is her, well, her maiden name is Wall. She was Callie Wall and her dad was a professor of psychology at Northwestern when I was a student. Mm -hmm. So I knew who he was. And I mean, I'm sure I guess I knew he had kids, but right. Yeah. But then you started your freshman year Mm -hmm. and then, and he passed away just after your freshman year. Correct. Yes. And so I just wanted you to come on and share. I mean, I know that it's been super transformative, Mm, but hard in Mm -hmm. a million different ways and we've had good conversations I've talked before on the podcast about 
losing my mom right. um, is different because I was 35 and mm-hmm. it's still hard, but oh, just absolutely. different and different circumstances. So right. I just kind of wanted you to come and share yeah. kind of your story with grief. Oh, man. So much of my story, I feel like I tell now in hindsight, my dad passed away in uh, June of 2003. So it was just 14 years uh, this last summer. And so I have a whole different perspective when I talk about it now than I would have 10 years ago or mm-hmm. even five years ago. Um, and uh, so part of that perspective is how I grew up. I grew up, um, I have a younger brother and then my mom and my dad and my parents were incredibly intentional about the time that we spent together mm-hmm. so we had family nights um where we would just play games or order pizza or whatever we did family days in the summer so my dad was a professor at northwestern mm-hmm. and so um he had most of the summers off and we would pick one day during the summer it would be our family day and we did the most random things but really fun things too like we did the um house on a rock oh yeah, yeah. The, it's in like Wisconsin? a museum yeah mm-hmm. weird weird, weird so museum weird. yeah uh crystal caves which is down in harmony um i mean just a myriad of things we went to valley fair all sorts of things so just really intentional about the time that we spent together uh which i'm so grateful for again in hindsight um so we were really really close um i grew up on a lake uh, in the eastern suburbs of Minneapolis. And so we spent a lot of time on the lake, a lot of time in the water, mm-hmm. um, boating and fishing. Um, and actually, that's kind of where the story starts. Um, I was working at a summer camp for the summer, and uh, we got done with camp on a Friday uh, afternoon. We had just finished our uh, staff training. And we got done, and my parents were out on the water <clears throat> on the lake, and they said, you know, I said, I'm done, I'm coming home. They said, well, why don't you just meet us at the dock, hop in, and we'll spend the day, you know, the rest of the afternoon mm-hmm. on the on the lake. And so I did. I met them. I changed into my swimsuit on the boat, jumped in. <laughs> we went skiing. We went wakeboarding. We went tubing. I remember my dad teasing me because I went skiing and then wakeboarding. And I got out of the water and I was like huffing and puffing. And he was like <sighs> making fun of me. He was like, how are you doing there, Cal? And I was like, I'm a lot of breath, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> he jumped in and he went, you know, mm-hmm. wakeboarding and skiing himself. Uh, that night we went to, we had dinner together and then we went and saw a movie. We went and saw Dumb and Dumber 2 because oh, Dumb and Dumber was my dad's favorite movie. <laughs> Jen, I don't know if that like wrecks his legacy or anything, yeah. but uh, but Dumb and Dumber 2 came out. Now that I'm one sure didn't... it's like a deep psychological right. analysis yes. that mm-hmm. he did. Because mm-hmm. of his deep intellect, <laughs> yeah. I think is how he appreciated it. So this movie came out. He uh, We went and saw it. It was terrible. It was awful. The It's like not the original characters. It's. Okay. characters um we saw the movie um i remember that night i was actually balancing my checkbook mm-hmm. and it was on our computer upstairs and i was trying to balance our checkbook and i kept being off like i was off and he came up the stairs to go to bed and he said what are you doing and i told him and he said well how much are you off by i was like oh i don't know almost 150 dollars he's like how are you off by 150 dollars like <laughs> granted i'm an 18 year old college student mm-hmm. i was like i don't know and he looks at my checkbook like my register it's like mm-hmm. target brugger's target <laughs> and he was like how are you off i was like i don't know he's like okay we'll fix it in the morning and i'll show you how to do it Okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to bed. And I was like, okay. And he said, good night, I love you. And I said, good night, I love you. And he went to bed. And the next morning, I woke up and my mom and I left the house. Uh, he was uh, on a run. And my mom and I left the house to go uh, to a baby shower. Okay. And he didn't come back from his run. And he still didn't come back from his run. And so my brother called my mom 
uh, from we were at the baby shower and he called us from home and said, you know, dad's still not home from his run, which was really weird and unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, but we thought maybe he had gone skiing. He had a, a buddy who he's going to potentially go water skiing with that morning. Um, so my mom called that those friends and they said, no, he's not here. He didn't, he never showed up to come water skiing. So we left the baby shower early. We came home and uh, my brother got on his bike and he started um, biking around on the bike trails Mm -hmm. just to look for him. Mm -hmm. Because you think in your head, you're like, he had bad knees. He, Mm -hmm. you know, he's hurt. He's hurt. He's on Mm -hmm. the trail. He's hurt. He can't get to us. Whatever. We'll go find him. Never found him. My mom ended up calling the police just to... um, see you know had there been a car accident or something and mm-hmm. you know he, they hadn't been able to notify us yet and she was actually kind of mad at him I remember like oh, when he gets home like mm. for he didn't tell me where he was when mm-hmm. he gets home he's mm-hmm. gonna be in big trouble uh, and I remember the policeman came to the door and he had a chaplain with him which again in hindsight should have been mm-hmm. my red first flag. clue yeah. yeah red flag and he came in and he asked for to see a picture of my dad and um I sh- we showed him a picture and he said well why don't we go sit in the living room and i remember my mom and i sat in the living room and he said i just want to let you know that we found your husband this morning on the trail and he has passed away and i screamed the most horrific scream i could possibly imagine mm-hmm. hearing and yelled and screamed and yelled and i remember saying no 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 like i need my dad i need my dad and he ran outside and i threw up in the grass and I came back in and I just fell on the ground and I was screaming and screaming and crying. Um, and honestly, from that moment on, it's so much of those like next days and weeks and months are a blur. Mm-hmm. Um, Where was your brother? Oh, yes. So he um, ha- was still had been out on his bike. So he ended up coming in the house as they were telling us that. So he kind of ca- heard it mm-hmm. as they were telling us. And he turned around and ran back outside. And we ran down the street. And I ran after him, and I remember he um, punched a mailbox, and he punched it so hard that it flew off into the woods. <laughs> and I remember in my mm-hmm. ooh, crazy state, I mm-hmm. went up to the house of our neighbor who's in the mailbox. He had knocked off, and mm-hmm. I knocked on the door. I said, I'm so sorry, Dustin. Your, Dustin knocked off your mailbox. It's in the woods somewhere. My dad just died. And I'm sure she was like, oh, uh, 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 that's okay. Don't yeah. worry. Like, I don't even remember what she said to me. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm so sorry. Your mailbox is in the woods. And my dad just died. And my, my dad died, and Dustin was mad. Um, and then, and so again, then after that, so I remember running after him. I remember catching him. But I don't really remember coming back to the house. I don't really remember what happened after that. I don't. I remember some friends um, ended up going to the medical examiners to identify him. Mm-hmm. And even in that whole, it felt like an eternity. But there was still holding out hope that it wasn't him, like mm-hmm. that they found the wrong person. It couldn't possibly be him. And um, so I remember when they got there and he called us uh, and he said, yeah, it, it's it's him. It's Wade. Um it was just that same because you kind of held out onto this like sliver of hope that it wasn't him, like it, that it was a mistake. Right. And so when he said he saw him, I was oh, that was just again heart wrenching, that confirmation that it was him. And those yeah, those days and weeks are so blurry. There's things that stick out. I remember um, our really good friends. They had a a daughter who was, goodness, how old would she have been at the time? I don't know, like four or five. Mm-hmm. And she sat on my lap. She has the most energy of any child I've ever met in my life. And she sat still on my lap 
for hours that day just sat there with me and kind of would like cuddle up next to me Mm -hmm. and like was this beautiful like comfort to me right right um I remember people coming over I remember my dad is uh, he was one of seven boys, mm-hmm. and so I remember my uncle slowly coming to the house. I remember um, going to bed that night. My mom and my brother and I all c- crawled into bed together and went to bed, and I remember waking up and feeling like I was in a dream, mm-hmm. and then as I woke up, realizing that it wasn't a dream, and it was real, and this was my reality, and how horrific that feeling was of realizing that my reality was that he was gone. He right. was not to be seen again. Like everything, your whole world has changed. Right. Um, yeah, I remember my grandparents coming. But even as I say that, I don't even remember if they came that first day or if they came the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I just have uh, images of people coming to our house. I have. I remember my aunts trying to get me to eat. I didn't want to eat anything. Mm-hmm. I remember my friends coming by and stopping by to say hi. I remember you talking about a friend who brought a grieving care package or something. Oh, man, this was the craziest thing. My um, one of my dad's dearest friends had passed away three months before he had died. And his children were the about the same age as my brother and I. And she brought me a package of it had gum in it because she said your breast smells when you are crying. Mm hmm. A waterproof mascara, uh, the good Kleenexes, like the ones with the lotion, right. like the puffs Because you'll ones. use them a lot. Because yeah. you'll use them a lot, exactly. Uh, and some sleepy time tea mm-hmm. uh, to just kind of calm myself during that. And um, yeah, I absolutely remember her bringing that. It was the things that were really thoughtful, like you are going to need these mm-hmm. in this journey. This mm-hmm. is a like journey. Like I walked a similar road. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was her mom actually who told us... Um, that night maybe it was that night um we got together to pray and she just said it's baby steps like Mm -hmm. remember that it's baby steps you're gonna need baby steps to get in the shower and to get dressed and to go to the funeral home and to get the flowers to go to bed to get up to get out of bed Mm -hmm. each one of them is baby steps uh and i really remember that that resonated with me in that journey of trying to get through each step each moment of what was to come um I think the most, the second most pivotal moment in that, you know, span of a couple of days was when we went to the funeral home to actually see him. Mm. I think even up until that point, I was in denial a little bit that it could possibly be him. Like, again, still kind of holding out mm-hmm. hope. Um, and I remember um, we had gathered family and friends to come with us to see him for the first time before the funeral, before the visitation. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I remember we all kind of gathered in the foyer and then walked up to the doors and they opened the doors and my mom and my brother and I walked in and I just collapsed and sobbed again because I just saw him there Mm -hmm. laying and it was so surreal to see him because it looked like him. They, to their credit, they did a really great job. It looked like him as much as it could, but it was very clearly not him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was young. He was 46. Yeah. So he was super young. Um, super oh gosh, healthy 46 right That's isn't crazy. that the craziest thing um as i get older now i'm like yeah. closer to that age i mm-hmm. think about wow that was so young he had so much life mm-hmm. to live crazy so crazy um so yeah i remember seeing him and that confirmation that it was him and yet i remember some moments of humor one of the things that i absolutely use as a coping mechanism is humor mm-hmm. um i remember <laughs> we walked up to the casket and my brother set his hand on my dad's chest he looked at my mom. He's like, well, dad always wanted abs of steel. 
which is so horribly black humor morbid. Right. But it was true. And we kind of laughed like, oh, yeah, he did because he was very hard. Right. Um, but it was those moments that saved us mm-hmm. because it was so heavy and so painful. It's like you're either so... going to laugh right, or, or you're going to be in the fetal position in the corner. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So more often than not, we ended up defaulting to morbid black humor <laughs> uh, because it was less painful right? Um, and it lightened what was really painful um, a little bit. So yeah, that is, I mean, that's the story of his death and... Um, well, and then the... I actually went to the funeral. Oh, it was at yeah. Northwestern. Yep, I remember you saying that. In the um, Fine Arts Building. Yes. And it was huge. And, I mean, was that, I mean, just the size of it and yeah. the amount of people that wanted to come and pay respects to him and support you, yeah, your family. I mean, what was that like? Yeah, that was really overwhelming, too. I don't think I knew at first how many people were there. We started out doing kind of a receiving line after the casket, my mom and I. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually they pulled us away because it just wasn't, we were, I mean, we weren't holding up physically very well and it was timing wise, it wasn't going to work for us to stay there. And so I remember we went back into this little room, the choir room actually, Mm -hmm. and we're waiting. And I remember then when they brought us back in and it was packed, like the carousels were turned around, Mm -hmm. the whole thing was packed. And I was just looking around being so amazed at the impact that he had had and again, was reminded of the intentionality and how he lived and the intentionality and how he did relationships, the intentionality and how he um, invested in people. I mean, this man made everyone feel like they were his best friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just so thoughtful, caring, um, wanted to get to know you, wanted to hear your story, wanted to... That's so interesting, Callie, because that's how I would describe you. Oh, Honestly, I think when people spend time with you, they feel like mm-hmm. that they are your closest friend. I mean, that's how I felt. Mm. And that's interesting that you describe them that way because that's how I would describe you. That's how, I mean, that's been my experience in our friendship. Thank you. I don't, um, hmm. Hmm. I mean, I see that kind of intentional, relational, valuing people. I mean, mean, even your job is about valuing people. Well, I appreciate hearing that because I remember very distinctly in that moment thinking to myself, I wanted to live a life that resulted in 1,800 people being at my funeral. Um, not for the number of people, but for the impact, mm-hmm. for the um, way that he lived so intentionally for relationship and for Jesus. Like mm-hmm. everybody who was in that room would be able to tell you that we'd love the Lord mm-hmm. and that that was, you know, above all, his the most important thing for him. And it was so... Um, encouraging to me. It was a call to action, a call to live thoughtfully and intentionally mm-hmm. um, and have strived to do that. I had a great example. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I'm talking about all this and the people that were there, I mean, that is a common theme through my journey of grief, of my journey of those days, weeks, months was people that came around my family in this most incredible way. The people that were there in the kitchen when the police officers came who mm-hmm. are dear, dear friends who are doing life with us to this day, you know, almost 15 years later, um, people that just walked that journey alongside of us, people that took my brother under their wing, people Mm -hmm. that took me under their wing, Mm -hmm. people that cared for and loved on my mom during all of that. Um, We had this tribe that kind of came around us um, 
it really, I mean, it really is as close as I can think of the, when people talk about the body of Christ coming around you. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the body coming around us and mm-hmm. sustaining us in the days, weeks, months, and now years later. Um, so pivotal, so important, so necessary for us to survive right. all of that trauma. Um, yeah, it was just people in those relationships that my parents invested in and built into for a really long time. I'm really grateful for them. What has that... I mean, now that you were moved and when you started talking, you talked about the per- different perspective you have now, mm-hmm. almost a decade and a half later, right. looking back on it, oh, you know, what, and, and we have talked, mm-hmm. I mean, we t- talk often about, you know, right. losing a parent and what that's right. like to um, have that whole kind of like your whole world changes, but everybody still goes to the grocery store right. and does things like nothing has changed in the world and right. like don't you understand my right. my whole world yes. is changed changed forever yeah. is this like from years ago or is this maybe a european thing where they grieve for a year where the widows wear black and they grieve for a whole year like there's jewish jewish oh yeah shiva yes they sit shiva right. for seven days and there's a whole process right. for mourning. Okay, so I've just started rewatching Downton Abbey. Yes. And at the very beginning, when Patrick, the cousin, dies on the Titanic, he dies in oh. April, and it is a whole year hmm. before they can start. Like, there are purposeful steps for mourning. Yes. Where they have to wear black, then they can go to purple, and then not yes. until, like, almost over a year later can they wear color again. I think that that's brilliant and necessary and horrific that we don't do that or allow for that space Mm -hmm. for that. Because I think about all the things that happened in that first year that were so hard. It's Yeah, it's the year first. Everyone talks Mm -hmm. about that year first, but we don't really give space for that or think about it Mm -hmm. or even think about what all those firsts are. There's the first Christmas and the first Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. but there was my brother's first football game when Mm -hmm. dad wasn't there. Horrible, awful. Mm -hmm. And... My poor brother, my mom and I are sitting there trying to be like, good job. That was a great run. You blocked so well. And I remember just in the look on his face, there was something missing. My dad was missing. That was the thing that they would do. They would talk football and they would go over every single play and all the details of the play. And all my mom and I could say was like, good job. Mm-hmm. You scored a touchdown. <laughs> Woohoo. Um, so, yeah. So it wasn't just like the big first. It was those first. It was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first football game. It was the first Vikings game when he wasn't home. You know, he wasn't there to watch it on Sunday afternoon. Right. Um, it was all of those firsts that were so hard. Um, and I think the thing that people forget, too, is there's the firsts that are not yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated from college. My brother graduated from high school. Um, I've since got married. I've had a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, those firsts continue throughout your whole life um, without them being there. There's always... Who, first. who walked you down the aisle? My brother. Maybe. He did. Oh, it was so precious. It was really, really special to me uh, that it was him and that he did that. Um, but yeah, so it's all those things that happen that they're not there, that mm-hmm. they're missing, mm-hmm. that come up again. And for me, it's been <laughs> the silliest things. I mentioned the Vikings. Um, sports were huge for me and my dad. We watched the Vikings games every Sunday together. We watched basketball together. March Madness, whatever. And I remember a couple years ago, it was in the car driving, who knows where, and I was listening to K-Fan, and they were interviewing Flip Saunders because Kevin Garnett was coming back to the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. and I sat in my car, and I sobbed my eyes out. 
the silliest thing in the world. Kevin Garnett is coming back. Why am I sobbing? But it was this moment of me remembering when mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett first played for the Timberwolves and how excited my dad was about this like breakout brilliant mm-hmm. player who mm-hmm. was going to come and transform this whole franchise. And he was coming back. And I so desperately wanted to talk to him and tell him and be mm-hmm. like, KG's back. This mm-hmm. is awesome. <laughs> and I just sobbed in the car because he wasn't there and I couldn't talk to him about KG. Mm-hmm. It was the silliest thing. And yet my heart just ached mm-hmm. uh, for his absence in that moment. So for me, I have just noticed those things, those moments um, where his absence is just magnified are in those, yeah, those special moments, those, the first but then the, well, the the things that are special to you yes, and your relationship right. with him or your the part that he played in your family. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings are potentially going to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Don't and worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. We've been here. And I, yeah, that is I pretty can't cool, get my though. up. Yes, but I, how badly yeah, am I wanting to right, tell him? Yeah. And my brother actually went to the game this weekend, and he was like, Dad would think this stadium is awesome. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's those little things where you just really see uh, and miss him, um, where that grief kind of, yeah, rears itself up again when you least expect it. Uh, but, in yeah, in those significant moments, the things that were significant to you mm-hmm. as a family, my, or even like my husband, now I'm just going to share memories. He was clipping coupons the other day um, for going out to eat. He was like, oh, I found a coupon. He, you know, those value pack coupons yeah. in the mm-hmm. mail. And my mom came over to watch our daughter and she just lost it. She was laughing so hard because that was my dad. Oh. My dad would cut coupons <laughs> and then he would put them in the visor of his car Oh, so, so they were on hand. So they were on hand mm-hmm. because you couldn't ever pay full price, okay. if at all possible. <laughs> and she just laughed. She goes, Kelly, you, that's dad. That's, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I know. How funny is that? that um, funny. So it's those moments that are sad and yet really fun to remember him and think about him really fondly. And yeah, when he's not here for those things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how how has grief transformed you? How has mm-hmm. it changed you? I mean... We talked a little bit about the almost the paralysis of right. shock and grief in the beginning. Right. But as you, you know, put one foot in front of the other and mm-hmm. took a shower and right. went on with your day and right. and life continues to unfold in front of you. You know, what has how has grief changed you? Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to answer that question because who I am is so different from who I was. And I can only assume that who I am is because of that experience. Mm. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, I value relationships immensely. I value time together Mm. and investing in in people. Um, I have a very keen awareness that we are not promised tomorrow. Mm. And it absolutely colors how I do life, um, how I fight with my husband, mm-hmm. <laughs> how I resolve those fights with my husband, uh, how I communicate with people. Um, it absolutely plays a role in that. My grief has been, it's been so interesting because I feel like it ebbs and flows. There were so many years early on where I was in shock and I was just surviving and trying to figure out how to make things work. Mm-hmm. And I really stepped into um, trying to fill a gap that was there. So being around for my mom more, being around for my brother more, um, trying to be available where he wasn't available. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then it has manifested itself into a battle with anxiety. I've struggled with anxiety pretty severely since he passed away. And so much of it for me has surrounded um, dying. Obviously, everyone is dying. I'm dying. My daughter's dying. My husband's dying. My mom's mm-hmm. dying. If you don't answer your phone, you are dead. Right. Um, it's worse. So yeah, awfulizing. Yes, yep. awfulizing. Yeah, I so get that. Yes. What is that thing you sent me once? It was like my superpower is <laughs> like jumping to the worst conclusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is my superpower. <laughs> I, um, yeah, if I can't get a hold of somebody on their cell phone, the worst has happened. Have really struggled with that, and I think struggled with that as severely as I have because of how it impacts my faith mm-hmm. and the role that that's played in that. I'm very grateful that throughout my journey of grief and loss, I have never questioned God's goodness or his faithfulness in all of it. I have seen it and experienced it through the people that he's placed in our lives, the way that he's provided for uh, our family, mm-hmm. uh, the love that I have experienced, um, the way that he has just shown himself to me through it all. And yet, knowing that he is good and that he is faithful doesn't negate the fact that something bad happened to me and something bad could happen again. Mm -hmm. And I've really struggled to figure out how to reconcile that. How do you reconcile this idea that God is good with the fact that people die Mm -hmm. and that's painful? And I just because God is good doesn't mean that's not going to happen again. Right. And how do you really fully trust him knowing Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Like trusting him Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that my daughter wouldn't die or my husband or my mom or my brother. Trusting him, trusting Mm -hmm. his goodness, trusting his faithfulness does not guarantee me that. It's not name it and claim it. Exactly. It's not. Mm -hmm. And so the tension of that I have struggled with desperately because in those moments of not being able to get a hold of my mom and convince she's, you Mm -hmm. know, dead in a ditch somewhere. And I'm praying and saying, Lord, I just, you know, protect her, keep her safe. I hope that she's not dead. Please don't let her be dead. Please let her be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no guarantee. Right. And so I've really, really wrestled with that. So a lot of my fear and anxiety is around that. I think a lot of it is knowing and experiencing the physical manifestations of grief. Um, I lost a ton of weight. Um, My hair was yucky. Mm -hmm. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, That feeling, that tightness in my chest. I mean, there was like a physical physical pain. pain. Mm -hmm. I can almost feel it right now because I don't let myself talk about this that often. Mm -hmm. And so I can feel that as we're talking, that pain in my chest right now. Um, That... I don't ever want to feel that again to the degree that I did. Mm -hmm. So I even think that part of the anxiety is a fear of feeling that way again. Mm -hmm. Like I Mm -hmm. never, ever want to feel that way again. Mm -hmm. Not to the degree that I had and so, or that I had experienced it. Um, So I think that some of that is surrounding that. So getting married, Mm -hmm. (laughs) having a baby, those Mm -hmm. things just. Loving, well, loving people and making yourself vulnerable to loss. Because you've loved. Exactly. I mean, I remember after my mom died thinking it was so hard to lose her because we had a good relationship. Right. Exactly. Which I was thankful that I wasn't having to deal with regret you know, or yeah, nope. anything like that. But th- I mean, that is, that's, that's the risk. It is. It's an, it's, it's a huge risk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody actually said this to me um, when we were down in Dallas, your friend, Uh, Michelle, she said to me, as I was sharing with her a little bit about it, it's really rung true with me. She said, but look how brave you are. You loved anyways. You had a, you got married Mm -hmm. anyways. You Mm -hmm. had a baby anyways. And I have never thought about it that way. 
I was like, brave. That just sounds stupid. Like, I just, what was I thinking? <laughs> but I love that she said that. She said, you didn't let that stop you from mm-hmm. doing those things. You stepped into it anyways. Right. You are risking. And mm-hmm. I, so that has reframed it a little bit for me as I've thought about what that journey is. Um, so yeah, so grief has absolutely manifested itself in anxiety and fear in, um, yeah, just a, an extreme fear around loss and experiencing that loss again that I desperately don't ever want to feel again. Mm-hmm. And yet the reality is, as I have experienced it since then, uh, not to that degree of closeness. My mother is alive. My brother is alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my dad's brother, one of his younger brothers, also 46, died of a heart attack. Um, my aunt, 46, died mm-hmm. of cancer. Um, so I have experienced uh, loss, uh, untimely loss mm-hmm. um, again, and I've survived that. And so I think I am reminded of the resiliency that we have mm-hmm. in that and how he, the Lord reveals himself to us through that and experience more of his goodness to us in all of that. Um, but it is a journey and it is a battle. It is something that I deal with uh, on a regular basis, mm-hmm. a very regular basis. I mean, you've seen it. I Every time we go to if, right. like where the plane is going to crash, <laughs> we are going to die, my child will be... Right. An orphan, even though my husband's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, all those worst case scenarios go mm-hmm. through my head every single time. And I think part of what's hard about it is it's happened. Like worst case scenario happened. In my head, my dad was hurt. He got hit by a car. He was hurt. He was right. unconscious. He was mm-hmm. unable to get to mm-hmm. us. No, he was dead. Absolute, yeah, worst So case. absolute worst case scenario. It happens. Right. And I, <laughs> I've realized about myself too is I can't put myself in a situation where I – I'm surrounded by worst case scenario. Like I don't like to read the news mm. or go on Facebook because if you ever look at the headlines on Facebook, it's all like yeah, the one in a million things that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The woman who dies during childbirth from the weird thing, the kid who contracts the odd illness or whatever. Like right. I can't go there in my head and have that confirmation that the worst can happen. Um, so I really have learned to kind of put some boundaries around myself and what I expose myself to just knowing that I'm really sensitive to those things and seeing them and hearing them and knowing them but I but you're not like an ostrich with its head in the sand though I mean you're aware of what's going on in the world yes I am aware (laughs) I just have to stay away from those silly headlines exactly (laughs) it sort of sounded like you were like I just I didn't want people to think that you were making yourself like (laughs) this utopian whatever no no I absolutely do know but I try to not yeah dwell on the very worst of everything yes Mm -hmm. exactly yes and be and you know I think about I think the things that I have learned and can see now in hindsight too are the good things um again maybe even five years when I've talked about the good things as much but the people that have come to know the Lord through um Mm -hmm my dad's life and the legacy uh, that he left, the people whose lives were impacted uh, by the Lord or where there was a switch in them that happened in terms of how the intentionality behind how they lived their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that. I've seen my dad's brothers, the brother who passed away, came to know Jesus mm-hmm. um, after my dad's death. I have seen that and experienced that and seen people's lives be transformed through his death. Mm-hmm. It's a small little teeny tiny glimpse that hardly makes it worth it in my mind, but mm-hmm. of the purpose and plan behind that. Um, 
I see that. I see this beautiful um, relationship that my mom and I have, that my brother and I have, that mm-hmm. is so good and so deep and so rich that I'm grateful for. Um, I think about the way that my husband and I have chosen to live life and the intentionality in how we do relationships with each other and with uh, the people around us mm-hmm. and the richness that there is in that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this, like I said, this tribe of people that just surrounded my family, that continue to surround my family, that continue to pour into me, pour into my mm-hmm. daughter. Which and, when, back when you were pregnant with your daughter mm-hmm. and right. those those that tribe yeah through a baby shower for you that yeah. I was invited to mm-hmm. and it was I mean I sat there trying not to cry because mm-hmm. I didn't really know a lot of people and I didn't want to be that weird person <laughs> <laughs> crying I think they all cried anyway so you would have yeah, been probably. in good company um but it was it was so beautiful the way that all of those women mm-hmm. loved you mm-hmm. loved you yeah. well like you could yeah. I saw the tribe yeah yeah I am so blessed by that and I don't know if I would have that, if he was still here and not that I wouldn't have it because it, of how they did Just relationship, be, but to, yeah, it wouldn't look the same. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for those people and for those relationships and the way that people, yeah, have loved me and poured into me and, um, it would look different. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah. That's, well, thank you. I, I know you, I mean, you said it. Um, you said it a couple of times that you don't usually go here and <laughs> talk about it. So I, I just have personally loved those trips to if hmm. when we actually get there safely, right to the hotel, <laughs> nobody dies, and sit up late and talk about mm-hmm. life and where we are and what we're yeah. learning and um, it just I've been able to see how much it's transformed you and how much mm-hmm. it kind of affects not kind of it does affect you still um Mm -hmm. but i mean i think michelle's words were Mm. were right i mean the bravery that you show and continuing to love well and risk like that is beautiful so i'm so grateful that you Mm. came to share yourself like this on the podcast Mm. well it's an honor to get asked first of all but then to share i think that that's the other thing that i've been faced with a lot in the last couple years is the lord saying okay i gave you a story now Mm. i need you to tell it and I need you to use it for my glory and having a willingness to do that and to show his goodness and his glory in it because mm-hmm. um, he is good. Mm-hmm. He is worthy of praise. And I'm so cognizant of that um, in the middle of my story and so cognizant of how intentionally my dad lived his life for his Lord. And I want to do that in return and do honor to him as well and getting the opportunity to share um, his story and my story and what God has done and all of that um, is an honor. So I'm grateful. Thank you for listening to the Retreat House podcast. Any links mentioned in the show can be found in the show notes. We want to thank Isaac Turley for his music at the beginning and end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and we'll see you next week on the Retreat House podcast. Thank you.